Hello, Texas Values friends. Thank you for bearing with us. Welcome to the Texas Values Report. And ironically, the Texas Values Report is not in Texas today. It's in Tennessee, the other T-state with great pro-life policies. I have here with me the wonderful Melissa Odin. Thank you so much for doing this very quick interview at this wonderful pro-life conference. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So we have a lot that we're going to talk about on the show today. And our boss, Jonathan Sines, will do more at the end of the show. But we wanted to start off the show with something special. So this weekend, there's a pro-life, pro-women conference here in Memphis, Tennessee, that I'm thankful to attend this year on behalf of Texas Values and to be with other wonderful pro-life leaders like Melissa Odin, Abby Johnson, Laura Mazika, many more names that you've heard before uh, through us or through other avenues in the pro-life movement. And we've already had so many great speakers already. It's been very encouraging. But our very special guest today is Melissa Odin. Now, Melissa Odin, has a powerful story. I mean, it's a story you just cannot beat. She's an abortion survivor. And you've heard stories like Claire Colwell's. Now, there's more people. And I learned from Melissa, there's about uh, 11, you said, abortion survivors in the state of Texas. Now, she runs a wonderful company, a wonderful organization that helps those who have survived abortion and helps those women uh, who have gone through the abortion process and making sure that they're healed. Melissa, tell us a little more about your organization. Absolutely. Yeah, we have 11 survivors identified in Texas. You know, statistically, we know there are probably tens of thousands of abortion survivors in the United States. You know, sadly, we know that not every time a survivor is born after failed abortion, they're not always provided medical care. Uh, We fight in the policy arena for that. But no matter what, survivors exist. The youngest survivor in our network is a year old. He was born at 25 weeks early on in the pandemic after his mom stopped the abortion procedure. We tend to hear that a lot. Some survivors come about that way. Uh, So born at 25 weeks because labor couldn't be stopped. Uh, The oldest survivor in our network right now is in their 80s. So we're talking people who survived prior to Roe and Doe. And I think that's important because those survivors carry with them a lot of shame that somehow because they survived, abortion was then legalized. So there are so many untold stories. Uh, Our network really exists to provide healing and social support to abortion survivors. Uh, We also do that for families. You're gonna see more and more of that as uh, we grow even more. Uh, We do retreats. So we did a virtual retreat earlier this year. We're actually gonna be in Texas in Schulenburg. Uh, at our first in-person retreat uh, in July. So we'll have uh, up to 30 women, female survivors there. We have survivors from around the world who wanted to come to this retreat because we are the only healing and support group for abortion survivors around the world. So that's what we do on that side. We also empower and equip survivors so they can be trained on how to you know, share their story, even if it's in a private conversation or yes, maybe the public stage. Uh, we give them skills on what, how do you contact your legislator? What's it like to advocate, right? How do these processes work? Because we live in a world that says we don't exist. So it's almost even more burdensome for survivors to find their voice. So that's a huge part of what we do. We also have what would be technically called a C4, so a, a policy side. So our voices can be heard. And I just testified last week, uh, Senator Cruz, I'm a big fan 
contacted me and asked me to testify against the Protecting Roe Women's Health Protection Act. I mean, that's, I can't ever remember the exact right. acronym because it's not about protecting women's health anyway. So uh, I was just on the Hill and you will see more and more survivors on the Hill as we heal and are given a voice. Wow, that's amazing. You hear that? She testified at the US Congress. I mean, she's my hero. So that's amazing that you get people in contact with their legislators. That's something we try to do at Texas Values. We try to empower people to reach out to their legislators about pro-life policies. You know, we just passed the heartbeat bill and while our organization does research and testifying, it's so important that you as an individual reach out to people um, who represent you and you tell them that you want these pro-life policies. Now, Melissa, we've heard a lot about Claire Colwell and her survivor mm -hmm. story. So what's your survivor story? Yes, so uh, I'm a little older than Claire. I'll be oh, clear about that. I have to age myself for, you know, <laughs> historical context. Uh, I'm 43, which of course means that my birth mother had a failed abortion not terribly long after Roe versus Wade. Uh, my birth mother fits a lot of st statistics when it comes to abortion. She was in college, she was unmarried, and she was not just coerced, but she was literally forced to have this alien infusion abortion that should have taken my life. That procedure usually lasted about 72 hours, but we know through my medical records that I soaked in a, that toxic salt solution for five days. On the fifth day, they finally successfully induced Ruth's abortion. Uh, the labor procedure and believed that I would be delivered dead and that is the day I was accidentally born alive. My grandmother forced the abortion, was a prominent nurse, uh, monitored the situation, was there when I was born alive and demanded that I be left to die. Uh, we know through my records that I was left for at least a few minutes while arguments ensued and ultimately at least one nurse rushed me off to the NICU that day. Uh, unwilling to just leave me there to die. And I know that because I've had communication and now have relationships with some of the nurses who cared for me. Wow, that's an amazing story because not only does it show um, your survival, but also that even after you survived, there were attempts to actually um, really commit infanticide, which is you know something that we addressed at Texas Values a few sessions ago with the Born Alive Infant Protection Act. A lot of people didn't believe that story. You know, they said, of course, no one, you know, is killing babies once they're born. But, you know, you're seeing that that really is a story. But thankful for that nurse that had the heart to actually save you. And like we've been talking about at this conference, look at what you've become. You know, all these wonderful babies can be saved and they can become, you know, the next generation. So mm -hmm. we're very thankful for that nurse who definitely saved your life. Yeah. Now, you said you do a lot of policy work or something. I do, I work. do. So, um, and that's something that we do at Texas Values. So if you can talk a little bit about um, the policy process to our viewers, because they're really interested in what it takes to advance policy, uh, what it takes to fight for pro-life policy. And we talk a lot about Texas pro-life policy, but we know that there's a huge fight at the U.S. Congress, and sometimes they're a lot louder at the national level especially the opposition. So just talk a little bit about that process and your involvement. Yeah, I think it's really important that people stay engaged at the local and the state level. 
Uh, I think sometimes we look right at the landscape and we think, ah, federal, 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 row, 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 which is absolutely true, but we cannot um, underestimate the importance of our voices locally and at the state level. And I think Texas is a great example of that. Texas always comes out with some of the most <laughs> strong pro-life laws and the rest of the country is watching. And certainly we know that there are cases thrown out to test the water a little bit, right? And whether you're pro-life or it's the other side who are watching it carefully to see what the temperature might be on that policy, it's so important. So, you know, I always like to encourage people, always be in touch with your legislators at the local level, state level, through the federal government. If your legislator is pro-life, thank them. Thank them regularly. They do not hear that often enough. They hear all of the complaints, right? So they will remember you the most when you're thanking them. So thank them. You know what? If you have a legislator who is not pro-life, also don't be afraid to tell them that you're disappointed in how they're voting, that you are a constituent, that your voice should be heard. Um, and so it's so important to be in touch. So sending things um, through the mail, do email, make phone calls, right? Do all the things. Do not be afraid of that. Um, because when it comes to policy, it's also so important that we are just so on top of it. I know it's hard, right? We are downloading information all the time in the world around us. But it's so important to be watching what is happening because especially I see this at the federal level. A lot of people didn't know about that hearing last week. And you wouldn't hear those things. And so you have to be watching for hearings in support of pro-life and also those that are being introduced against, um, you know, being pro-life. And the opposition does a wonderful job of burying facts, burying narratives. Um, and so that's so important. We almost have to work overtime to be educated and involved. That's so very true. You know, I think that even on our side, when we inform people, maybe not a lot of people knew about that hearing last week, mm -hmm. but the other side, can be very vocal in the media. Why do you think that hearing was so worried and not really presented in the media? Because it was painful, you know? Um, there were, again, I, I kind of have to laugh about it after the fact, but you know, it was about, they made it clear, it was about not only protecting Roe, but expanding Roe. They said that numerous times in the hearing. And one of the questions that I posed to them multiple times was, you know, how can the very act that was supposed to end my life simultaneously be my right to execute? That's why that case read that a hearing wasn't even really covered because you have to answer that question. And we know what the answer is, right? Right. Absolutely. That goes into another point. And, you know, this conference is titled Pro-Life, Pro-Woman. The other side always tries to say, like you said, it's your rights. So how can we actually change the narrative? How can we encourage more women? I mean, there are a lot of women here already <laughs> in Tennessee. So I think we're winning and changing the culture, but what is your vision for changing the culture and making more women stand up for pro-life issues? Absolutely. I think it comes down to healing. You know, first of all, everybody has a story and an experience, particularly when it comes to abortion. And I think we need to be honest with ourselves and seek out the healing that it takes to then, you know, be strong enough and have your voice and be empowered. Uh, and, you know, it really is about impacting future generations. That's one of the most exciting parts for me this weekend is my 13 year old daughter is with me. 
my daughter, if I, if we don't end this whole scourge of abortion, she's going to do it. Yeah. Uh, it's so encouraging to see young women and they are here full of joy, right? I mean, this is a, there are days that are so hard for me, but I take so much joy in knowing we are on the right side of truth and we're in this together. Uh, so it's just such an important place for women to be. We don't need to be silenced by the culture out there that says it's your choice and you're right. We need to not be afraid to stand up and say, no, you know what? I don't believe that life is the fundamental right. Right. Absolutely. I think it just comes to standing up for truth, like you said, and we thank you for standing up for truth and the ministry work you do and your C4 work and your policy work and testifying in front of U.S. Congress and being a Ted Cruz fan. We appreciate <laughs> yeah. that. And so we're at the end of the show. Uh, we're getting really close to it. I just have to ask, so you said you were familiar with Wichita Falls, Texas, which yeah. is my birthplace. So you're familiar with Texas. Just a little fun question to end the show. What is your favorite Texas-inspired food? <gasps> oh, this is a hard question for me, actually. The hardest one of the show. Um, this is hard, okay, because I'm from Kansas City, folks. Do not hold this against me. So we can't really talk about barbecue, okay. right? That's there, There's a little bit of throwdown there. Um, ooh, I mean, I'm a big fan of how Texans eat tacos for breakfast. Okay, that's a good one. That's a really good one. <laughs> well, there you have it. Texas Value Supporters, we have Melissa Odom with us. We're so grateful for the work she does. And just taking a quick break in this very uh, busy conference to come talk uh, with you guys and to keep you informed on the pro-life movement. Uh, until next time, we hope you have a very good weekend and please support Texas Values any way you can. We've had several luncheons, several events throughout the state where you can learn more about the work we've done during the session for the heartbeat bill and other pieces of legislation. But we really appreciate you listening today and thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, Texas Values friends, Jonathan Sines here, president of Texas Values. Hope you're having a good summer. If you're watching on social media, on Facebook, you're like, wait, who is that guy? I don't recognize him. That, that's somebody, he's not, he doesn't have a suit on. He doesn't have a tie. He doesn't even have a jacket. But I'm here to give you a great update as president of Texas Values. And I've been the president of our organization since the beginning. And one thing that we do at Texas Values, our budget goes from July 1st to June 30th. And that means in a few days, the end of our fiscal year comes up and we need your critical support. And so, hey, sometimes I do dress down a little bit or a little casual. I mean, I know it's summertime. And so if it's summertime, you might be in a different place, right? Maybe you're not working. Maybe you're not even at home. Maybe you're at a vacation home or you're at a hotel or maybe you're on the beach, wherever. But if you've got a smartphone, you can support us financially. You don't have to be in your office. You don't have to be at your home office. You don't have to be in front of your normal computer. You can easily go online. We've got a, a great website that is mobile uh, uh, friendly, if you will. So um, mobile phone friendly and, and, you know, all kinds of mobile device friendly, txvalues.org. Did you know that Texas Values is a 501c3 nonprofit organization? That means our donations, donations to us are tax deductible. Did you also know that we have led the effort in five consecutive legislative sessions? Okay, that's five. One, two, three, four, five legislative sessions to pass a pro-life 
in a religious liberty bill at the Texas Capitol during the Texas legislative session. This past legislative session, that was the Freedom to Worship Act and the Texas Heartbeat Law, which continues to get a lot of attention and is going to get more and is going to be uh, saving lives pretty soon when it goes into effect on September 1st. And so, look, I'm blessed to continue to lead this organization with so many great people. Our organization's growing. Our budget's up to $1.5 million. We still need to raise about $100,000 before the end of the fiscal year, which is at the end of this month, June 30th. Maybe you got something in the mail. Maybe you got an email today. Maybe you got a text alert. Okay, we're trying different ways to connect with people. And so uh, these are just ways for us to remind you. So we're like doing this video too and in this audio recording so people know that we're coming up. But look, there's a lot to reflect on. You look at this past legislative session, the Heartbeat Law, the Freedom to Worship Act, a lot of things we did last year, navigating people to protect their freedoms during the height of COVID restrictions and things of that nature. Um, we got a great event coming up on September 24th and 25th. That is our Faith, Family, and Freedom Forum. So a lot of times people get excited about having those events, getting together again. Those things do cost a little bit of money. We now have 12 members of our team. So we had someone at the Texas Capitol all 140 days of the legislative session. We're also monitoring a very important case at the Texas Supreme Court, whether or not we're going to be able to enforce the Save Chick-fil-A Religious Freedom Law. Remember that law uh, a couple of years ago when the city of San Antonio literally banned Chick-fil-A from having a store at the airport because they give to Christian ministries like Salvation Army and Fellowship of Christian Athletes, okay? It's no surprise. I mean, excuse me, it's no exaggeration. That's exactly what San Antonio was doing. So that means this, this could impact you. If you give charitable donations to Christian ministries, that was the, the heart of the concern that the city of San Antonio had. We think it's a ridiculous concern. So we passed a law, right? We led that effort, Texas Values did, for the Save Chick-fil-A Religious Freedom Law, also called the First Amendment Defense Act. Well, now we're fighting in court to make sure that that law is enforced. And of course, the city of San Antonio is trying to keep it from being enforced, but it was written so well that this case should be a no-brainer, but we've filed a brief at the Texas Supreme Court. Some people in the city of San Antonio, they filed a main lawsuit. We filed a brief to support them at the Texas Supreme Court. That case is very close to getting accepted for review at the Texas Supreme Court. You know, the Texas Supreme Court doesn't review every case that they're requested. It's only a very small amount, and so uh, but we've been a part of that effort, along with our governor and, and other members of the uh, executive branch, so to speak, and people that have gotten involved in supporting the effort to just enforce this law so we can go back to the trial level and make sure that we hold the city of San Antonio accountable. And they stopped doing this and they pledged to never do it again and have freedom reign in the city airport and wherever and, and to not have this hanging over us to think that it's okay for a government to do it. They need to be taught a lesson. They need to be punished. They need to have this law enforced against them. And they need to at least be told, you got to stop doing it and set a standard that it doesn't happen again. So those are just some of the things we've been involved in recently. But if you go to our website, txvalues.org, you can see some of the things that we've done uh, coming up on, on almost 10 years. So we're about nine years in at Texas Values, but we now have 12 members of our team. You know, we started with really three of us. I mean, there were two and one other person that was sort of part-time, excuse me, part-time, sort of full-time. But, you know, we had a great core group of people, but now we have doubled, tripled, quadrupled, right? I mean, we're, uh, we're not three, we're now 12. Sometimes we've got a few more people, depending on what uh, work we're doing, some contract work and so on, people that partner with us. But our budget then I think was 300, maybe 350,000. We're now at 1.5 million, probably will exceed that. Our goal actually is to raise 
um, uh, 1.6 million. That's what we need in order to do the work that we do to pay our bills and prepare for the next fiscal year starting in July. There's a special session. Okay, July 8th, there's going to be a special session at the Texas Capitol. Our office is two blocks from the Capitol. You know we're going to be there front and center every day of the special session, even though I do have some vacation time planned uh, with my family in July. I'll figure out how to deal with that, but we'll have a presence there one way or another. Me, my team, and other members of our team, we're going to have it covered, but uh, we're really the only organization that's a faith and family organization, a Christian organization in the state of Texas that works on religious freedom, marriage and family, and pro-life that is at the Capitol every day during the regular session and whichever special session comes up. You know, there are going to be two special sessions, one in July 8th and one later in the year. So a great opportunity for us to pass those laws that didn't get done during the special, like making sure it's clear that you can't have these gender modification surgeries uh, for children, that we've got to have some standards in place. Um, also, the issue regarding biological men competing in women's sports. We almost got done with that issue, but it, it didn't get completed. Passed the Senate, didn't pass the House. Those are just a few things. And of course, the election integrity issue, Senate Bill 7, will be there supporting that effort and many others. But one of the big things that's been new about our organization is the Church Ambassador Network. Wow, what a presence this new project has had, led by Brian English, former faith outreach director for Senator Ted Cruz, former pastor himself. Now he's leading pastors on a weekly basis to have a connection with government and government leaders. We did a lot of that this uh, first half of the year, the first half of the calendar year at the Texas Capitol. But now that the session's over and before the special session starts, he's going to be there in your community and other members of our team, Pastor Tobar down South Texas, Judah Atkinson up in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth. We're looking to add more members of that team because we want to have a presence in all 254 counties of the state as it relates to connection with churches. We've already got supporters in every county of the state, but we'd like to have a connection with a church, if not one, many in those communities throughout the state of Texas, a lot of ground to cover, but that's the way that we make it clear that churches are essential, okay? And speaking of that, not only did we pass the Freedom to Worship Act, or we led that after effort, there were really a trifecta, right? A three bills, a trio, a hat trick of religious freedom bills tied to that issue, all right? House Bill 1239, the Freedom to Worship Act by Senator Angel Paxson and Representative Scott Sanford. Then you had the Churches Are Essential bill, which included more than just churches. It also related to religious organizations like uh, pregnancy care centers. That was, uh, excuse me, I'm forgetting the bill number now, so many bills. House Bill 525 by Matt Shaheen, and then I believe it was carried by Bob, Bob Hall in the Senate. And then you had a constitutional amendment, and we're going to be voting on this in November. November 2nd, this will be on the ballot to put it in our Constitution that the government can't shut churches and religious entities down. And not only can't shut them down, they can't limit their ability to have any type of service in a place of worship, no matter where they are. If it's a four-wall building, if it's outside in a field or a parking lot, you name it, that's going to be on the ballot. That's That was Senator Hel Kelly Hancock and also Representative Chairman Jeff Leach that came together to pass that. And that means in November, we'll be voting on this issue. You're going to hear a lot talked about and a lot of support from our organization on that as well. But, um, but these are just some of the many reasons to consider making a tax-deductible donation to us, txvalues.org. Make that tax deductible, I can't even say it, make that tax deductible donation now, okay? Let me slow down my uh, my rhetoric and my canter there or um, or my uh, my rhythm, whatever you want to call it. All right, I'm going to slow down my, uh, my delivery here. TXValues.org, we are a 501c3 nonprofit organization. I think this is the best return on investment that you can get in the state of Texas. 
on our issues. You see our social media presence. We've got a, the largest social media presence in the state of Texas for a faith and family Christian organization. We're larger than some national organizations. And I don't say that to really you know, uh, puff out our chest or, or brag about it. I'm just letting you know what you get when you invest in our organization. And that's local issues. That's helping out our friends in Carroll ISD in Southlake as we took on the issues of LGBT stuff in schools and found out it was also connected to critical race theory. Another bill that we helped get passed, House Bill 3979, to put a ban on some of those issues across the state, State Board of Education. Boy, 10 minutes is not enough for me to talk about all the things that we do at Texas Values, but I wanted to give you a little bit of the highlights. TXValues.org, check out our website. Our fiscal year ends at the end of June. We still need to raise about $100,000. There's a matching grant in place. Any donations up to $25,000 will be matched. You might want to go ahead and get your ticket to the Faith, Family, and Freedom Forum on September 24th and 25th. And I have a huge announcement. I'm not allowed to tell you yet today, maybe tomorrow. You want to get your tickets now for that before it sells out. But just one of the many reasons why I think Texas Values is the best investment for faith, family, and freedom in Texas. But we can't do it without you. Whatever the amount is, please give and give as generously as you can. And that's how we'll continue to protect faith, family, and freedom in the state of Texas. God bless you. God bless Texas. And we'll talk to you again soon.